We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, very close to the Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. Well, partner, it was, certainly was a busy week with lots of trades through the past seven days and winding up on Monday with a, a flurry that we didn't expect, uh, based on the stuff that happened earlier, did we? No, not at all. I mean, I, I think we uh, thought it was going to be, at least I thought it was going to be a little bit slower this year, just with everything going on with you know COVID restrictions and stuff like that and salary cap problems. But, you know, we saw plenty of activity. Uh, you know, if I'm looking at this right, we saw three trades that included a number one overall pick. We saw three multi-team trades that included salary uh, dumps. And then, you know, obviously the most interesting one, I think, is there were 10 different trades that involved retained salary, which really speaks to, you know, the current environment in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the salary cap and, and fitting guys in. Yeah, that's the part that made that I expected most of all, AJ, because of the flat cap and teams right up against the ceiling there. And uh, some other teams did step up and help in those deals, but they did get compensated well in terms of draft pick compensation for the most part. And uh, so what we're going to do this week is a little bit different than what we've done in, in uh, our usual format. We're going to go through each trade and talk about the impact to uh, the teams involved and the players. Where, where might they fit in is the question that we will try and answer for you as best we can. And then time permitting, we'll get into our DFS prognostications for tonight's games as well. 
uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. So it uh, should be an interesting diversion from what you're used to hearing on the show, and we hope you like it, in terms of a special report on the stuff that happened yesterday, and in the past seven days, in fact. We're going to wind it back to seven days ago where the trade flurries did start, and then uh, the deluge came over the last 48 hours. Beginning in reverse order then with the trades that happened late yesterday, AJ, it was a big one that uh, wound things up between the Capitals and the Red Wings. Why don't you take us through that one, and uh, you give your slant, and then I'll rebut. Yeah, absolutely. So biggest trade of the, of the day, in, in my opinion here, uh, the Capitals kind of going all in here in, in terms of bringing uh, Anthony Mantha in from Detroit, and, and they gave up a decent amount here. Uh, Jacob Vrana, who's fit into a six a top six role, for sure top nine role for them periodically. Uh, Richard Panic, who struggled to make the lineup on, on a number of nights, so I don't think they're too sad to, to give up that asset. And then, of course, a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick. So a significant haul here uh, to bring in Anthony Mantha. The the interesting thing for me about this deal is, you know, Mantha's not a guy who's on, like, a short-term contract. He's got another, I think it's four years left um, before his contract would be up. The the amount right now, you know, $5.7 million might seem a little bit high. Uh, it's three more years. It's a four-year contract, three more years. Uh, 5.7 seven might seem a little high right now, but I think by the end of that deal, barring you know something crazy where he's just not producing for them, I think can be a really good value contract for them towards the end of it. So I think this is a good deal. You know, they've been using either Daniel Sprung or Connor Sherry like in a second line winger role. Um, and Anthony Mantha certainly upgrades there. It gives them the option. They could move him to the first line. I, I wouldn't think that they will. I think they'll leave Tom Wilson there, but they can put Mantha on the second line, and he'll kind of be the guy that, that anchors that line, in, in my opinion. Well, and, and it solidifies the wing position on the second unit, AJ. That's been something of a moving target. Verana did get more reps than anybody else, but the thing that I also want to point out is the Caps were able to do this because they used the uh, – long-term injury reserve portion of their uh, salary cap so they actually went over the 81 and a half million a few teams did that and that afforded them to take on these contracts at this deadline a uh, bit of a cap manipulation exercise if you will and uh, at going into next year they will have had a commitment of 70 million dollars on 17 players so they have ample room to get six more contracts for about 11 million dollars going into the off season so not as strapped as some other teams looking forward but certainly do uh, do take advantage of a cap manipulation exercise and i wonder partner a number of teams did that and i and i wonder if this is a loophole that we might foresee being closed because it's kind of the rich teams taking advantage of this not a lot of teams are going to be, be spending more more than 81 and a half million dollars with this uh, reserve clause in there and i don't think it's fair to all the teams in the league and i wonder if there's going to be some backlash your thoughts about that no, I mean, I don't think so, because in order to take advantage of it, you have to lose a, a player that's, you know, uh, you know, there obviously Henrik Lundqvist would have been a, a decent part uh, portion of that. So they'll get one point five million uh, relief from that. And then Michael Kempney, I think, they, you know, you can't tell me the team wouldn't be better off having Michael Kempney in the lineup at two point five. So. You know, they have available $4 million worth of, of LTIR space that they can use. And, you know, the, the one caveat to kind of to your point, Paul, is um, 
there are clubs that financially can't pay that extra money versus, you know, just the cap implications there. So you have to not only be willing, uh, you do lose a player, but you also have to be willing to pay the extra money, you know, in terms of a real dollar amount. So there, I guess there is a bit of an advantage to some of the bigger clubs in, in that sense, the bigger markets. Um, but overall, I, I think it is fair because you have to lose something to be able to use it. So it's not like, um, you know, you can just do it for, for nothing, um, you know. And, and AJ, looking at this deal, I think the Detroit Red Wings side of it is something we've got to spend some time talking about because I think they did very, very well. They pick up a guy who's definitely going to fit into their top six in Verona. And uh, Richard Ponick, a useful veteran forward, will help possibly also in their top six there. But they also got pretty good draft compensation, a 2021 first and a 2022 second round pick. So four pieces for Anthony Mantha. And we know that Rana is a pro for sure that's going to fit in uh, to their st- structure for the foreseeable future. The, the thing with Mantha, the Wings were probably figuring by the time they become relevant, he's going to be you know, 30 years old, maybe beyond uh, the the core of his his peak value to that team. So that was a reason for the timing of this trade from their perspective. But I think that they did extremely well in terms of the compensation that they got out of this deal. The next trade yesterday that happened yesterday, the Vancouver Canucks picking up Madison Bowie and a fifth round pick. Chicago Blackhawks, a fourth round pick going their way. Uh, I read this as the Canucks picking up an asset and the Hawks probably looking for a way to shed some money to do other work uh, in the offseason. Uh, your slant on that one. I definitely agree. You know, I, uh, you know, Bowie will come in Vancouver, uh, you know, on their, on their blue line. They had some in, some out. They traded away Jordy Ben, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Then they brought in uh, Madison Bowie. So one in, one out in, in terms of the blue line there. Um, and, and obviously, you know, they're still, they have a bunch of young talent, but they're still looking to add, uh, in my opinion, in, in terms of overall where they're going. Um, and so I, I think it, it makes sense. You essentially upgraded, um, you know, you didn't really downgrade your pick. You went from a fourth rounder to a fifth rounder. So you moved back around and got a defenseman like Bowie for, for a decent return. And I, I think it certainly uh, makes sense for, for both sides there. And uh, the next trade we look at is the Winnipeg Jets, uh, AJ. They picked up Jordy Ben. They needed a defensive upgrade in their system. Uh, I know that, but I don't think Ben is the answer. He's, he's no better than a third-pairing defenseman. I think the Jets needed to, to do a little bit take a big, bit of a bigger swing here. And I think there, a sense, lo, listening to the radio uh, this morning and yesterday uh, from a lot of pundits in Canada, that uh, local fans in Winnipeg quite upset that the Jets didn't do more than this particular deal. The Canucks uh, drawing a sixth-round pick out of, of Winnipeg in exchange for the veteran blue liner. What do you think about the Jets' uh, circumstances? And uh, do you agree that Ben is no better than a third-pairing guy? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where he slots in on this team. I don't see him overtake, you know, obviously he's not going to overtake Morrissey or Pionk in the top four, uh, not Dylan DeMello. You know, maybe he could get in there. Um, but, yeah, I think bottom pairing. Look, for for me, I, I know cap considerations are, are, you know, obviously key, but I'm surprised they didn't try and snag Victor Mete, and maybe they did, but Victor Mete or even Sammy Vatanen off the waiver wire, um, 
rather than than Jordy Ben, you know. So may, I mean, maybe it's possible that they did put in claims for those guys and they just didn't get them, uh, and so this was kind of their fallback. You know, they didn't give up much for him or really anything. I mean, you talk about a six round pick. For lack of a better term, you're kind of throwing darts at a board at that point, you know, hoping you find a, a diamond in the rough there. There's no guarantee anybody taken in the sixth round is going to make the NHL. So um, not a big deal for me giving that up, but I, I don't see how J- Jordy Ben makes them substantially better than, than where they are. AJ, you mentioned the claim of Victor Mete. Let's take a bit of a, a swerve there in that direction and, and congratulate the Ottawa Senators for a good bit of business there. The Canadians were looking to upgrade, and they picked up a couple of veteran blue liners over the, over the week. But I think they have to be a little disappointed that they, they uh, it cost them a prospect that I think was about a year away from being relevant in, in their setup. Uh, not a bruiser like some of the other guys they picked up, but certainly a good puck-moving guy. And, you know, he was as anxious to get busy and play that he suited up for the Senators last night. So I give him credit for his quick response. Didn't have to travel far, I'm sure, to make that happen between the two cities. But still, credit to him. And I think Ottawa gets should get credit for, for a good bit of business in this circumstance. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, they're going to have to pay him and, and figure out what that looks like because he's going to be an RFA this offseason but yeah i think uh unfortunately for montreal um they kind of put themselves in a tough spot by wanting to move him around and, and ottawa jumped and I, I i think it was a great move by the senators to to grab him absolutely he put like you said he played last night uh obviously you know a short amount of time with the team so less than 10 minutes of ice time but that'll steadily climb once he gets more acclimated uh to ottawa and then uh, tell me about what you think about the impact of Michael Raffle moving over to the Capitals. You're familiar with this division. The Flyers and Caps getting together on this deal. The Flyers receiving a fifth-round pick for a veteran winger who can move up and down the roster, I think, in, in the Capitals' circumstance. I mean, it's certainly going to be overshadowed by the fact that they also brought in Anthony Mantha, but I, I think it it's one that... Um, could make an impact, especially when you get into the, the postseason seven-game series and you have a guy like Michael Raffle sitting on your fourth line, maybe your third line, depending on, on how things shake out now. Um, I think what surprised me most, yeah, their deals were kind of minor, and, and we'll talk about the other one in a little bit, but the fact that the Flyers were sellers at, at the deadline I think was a bit surprising for me. Um, you know, you look at that East right now, and again, we'll talk about all these deals, but Washington adds the, the biggest piece at the last minute. Boston added a pretty big name. Uh, you know, Penguins added, Islanders added. Um, so to see the Flyers selling, I think, kind of uh, closes, you know, sets things up. They're not going to be an easy team to beat. They'll be competitive. But I, that's what I was more struck by, the fact that they were selling some of these pieces instead. Yeah, kind of early to wave the f- white flag in a division that's been up for grabs. But their goaltending has absolutely killed them in the last month. And maybe that was a factor that they didn't see changing uh, for the better in the near term. Uh, the next trade up is another one like kind of like the Winnipeg deal. Uh, in a sense, they gave up a prospect to Anaheim and Hayden Fleury, and they bolstered their blue line with the addition of Yanni Hockenpah. He's 28 years old, and I think he's a solid defensive defenseman that helps their structure uh, in the short term more than Hayden Fleury would. And so that's the nature of that deal from Carolina's point point of view. But what are the Ducks getting in Hayden Fleury? I think this guy's a prospect that could be a nice fit here for years. 
Absolutely. I, you know, I think the, the thing with Flurry is he's, you know, from Carolina's standpoint, I think he's a little bit further along in terms of being like a full-time NHL guy. Um, Hawk and Pod did, has played in 42 games, but this is really his first like full NHL season. And I think there just wasn't a spot for Flurry to get consistent minutes at this point in the year. Uh, he's kind of been back and forth with Jake Bean for a while. Um, so I, I, I think overall the big winner here is Hayden Flurry because he's going to get more opportunities with Anaheim. And I think that's a good move for him more than anything else. And uh, the next deal is kind of tied to a couple others that the Maple Leafs and San Jose were involved in recently. Uh, Alex, Alexander Barabanov going to San Jose from Toronto, the Leafs getting veteran minor leaguer Antti Suomela. AJ, this is a case where the Leafs uh, last year, in the uh, before the season started, they picked up Barabanov as a free agent, thought that he might sl- uh, slip into their third line, never really worked out for him, and he bounced in and out of the lineup. But uh, I, sh- I guess he showed enough in flashes that uh, the Sharks noticed that he might be an upgrade, and I think he will be an upgrade over some of the guys that they have in their bottom six. From what I see, a very skilled winger. Uh, he wins a lot of puck battles along the, along the board. He's not the biggest guy, but he shows a lot of determination in his game, and I think he's going to get a better shot to play in San Jose than he did in Toronto. And uh, Suomela, as I said, a veteran winger, not uh, likely to fit into the Leafs' major league roster, but certainly a guy that could be uh, could be a key element to the Marlies, I guess, in, at the AHL level. Uh, that's my slant on this deal. Any thoughts from you? I think the other thing to focus on is the fact that the, the 23-man roster limit is lifted at this point, but you still need to be able to fit those guys under the cap. And while we're, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're not talking a lot, Sumela's contract is about $225,000 less than Barbaranov. So, um, uh, so I think that's really the factor here. So you have a better chance of adding him to your roster if you need him um, or just want him around based on, on that price tag. So pretty um, simple math, I think, is what it came down to. Excellent point. Uh, Nashville, Nashville Predators and Ottawa Senators got together on another deal. Uh, the trend continues. A veteran defenseman helping out the Nashville structure. This is a team that we've talked about. Uh, defense has been the heart and soul of their franchise for years. And Good Branson, a big bruiser who will add to the structure there and uh, solidify the bottom pairing. And it cost them a uh, prospect in Brandon Fortunato and a seventh-round draft pick. And I, I like the deal from Nashville's point of view, AJ. They're, they're playing a, a very sound all-around game. Their offense is, is picked up a little bit too. And I think if they can find a way to sneak into the playoffs, Good Branson gives them a nicer look on the bottom pairing than they had before this deal took place. And the one thing that concerns me about this move is the fact, you know, that, that Dante Fabro's uh, considered week to week. I, th- I think that's... You know, maybe it's longer if they were willing to go out and, and get Eric Branson. Um, I, I think it, it raises a red flag about how soon we're going to see Dante Fabro back in the lineup for, for me that they were going to do this. Now, they didn't pay a big price to get it, to get Good Branson. And so even if Fabro is going to be back and Good Branson's playing minimal minutes, it's not a big deal. I mean, you look at Fortunato, this is an undrafted player uh, out of Quinnipiac University. Uh, spent most of last season uh, in the ECHL, so really uh, not a, not a guy that has a ton of upside. And from what I've seen, at least, maybe he can figure it out as a pro, but it, it hasn't happened yet, in my opinion. And then a seventh rounder 
and like you know two years from now is a is a nothing pick so it's it's a good deal for nashville but it does raise some concerns for me about when they think fabro is going to be ready aj uh another deal involving the leafs here ben hutton acquired from the anaheim ducks in exchange for a fifth round pick in 2022 i gotta tell you the leafs have traded away a number of picks but they didn't trade away any of their top prospects so i liked this this uh, acquisition hutton a very smooth skating guy big man too uh, fits very nicely into the bottom part of the leafs structure and moves marty marinson down the depth chart and a lot of the fans locally are happiest about that because uh, marinson seemed to find his way into the lineup and be a disaster uh, more often than not when the Leafs are suiting him up and uh, so this pushes him down the depth chart they get a veteran guy who's bound, been in the NHL for a few seasons and uh, I think a very nice piece of business here and again didn't cost them a lot and uh, gives them in that insurance that teams need to have in the play uh, in the playoffs it's uh, a war of attrition and uh, they can afford now an injury hit on the blue line and slide him in seamlessly uh, to wherever that circumstance might apply i think what's important to know paul with these picks that are being traded away you know they yes they don't have their their first rounder um this upcoming season but they still have the second round pick and then they still have their one and two in 22 and in 23 so yeah they've given up some picks you know right now their only pick in the first four rounds in 2021 is going to be that second rounder but you know for a team that's in win now mode uh, around the guys that you have it, it certainly makes sense in my opinion to to trade away an asset like that um, to add some depth on, on the blue line in a guy like uh, Ben Hutton. Yeah, and then looking ahead, they can pick up some of those, tri- recover some of those picks in the offseason, but it's all about pushing the chips in the middle of the table right now for the Leafs, and, and this was just uh, maybe the smallest uh, deal that they made that, that fits that criteria. The Montreal Canadiens, as I mentioned, they did bolster their back end. They picked up a couple of blue liners over the week. Eric Gustafsson is one of them that they picked up out of Philadelphia. A couple of years ago, this guy was a 60-point guy in Chicago, AJ, and and, uh, certainly fallen off that level of performance. He's basically a one-way defenseman, and uh, that's offense. And uh, apart from the the physical nature of the the Canadians' blue line, Shea Weber and uh, Jeff Petrie are pretty much the only two guys that carry the mail offensively. Gustafsson gives him a third option. He could be a power play insurance, too, maybe a second-pairing guy. So I really like this pickup from the Canadian standpoint looking at it from his possible offensive contributions on the back end but uh, didn't really work out for him in Philadelphia maybe you can speak to that a little bit well I think that's a great way to look at it Paul that you know it's if it works out in Montreal it's a great pickup he he wasn't playing in uh in Philadelphia he played just one of their last like 10 uh 10 12 games here and you know So he's not making the lineup for them. Montreal gives up really nothing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, in, in terms of a seventh round pick and the, the Flyers, you know, get a guy off the, the payroll who they're not playing, uh, who's not playing. So it, it makes a lot of sense. If it doesn't work for Montreal, no, no harm, no foul there on, on that one. So I think uh, no risk moved by both sides here. All right, AJ, we're going to take a bit of a break now and uh, give our uh, sponsors a chance to speak their mind about their products. And uh, we'll come back and finish off our, our look at the trade flurry activity after these messages. Okay, we're back and we're ready to take a look at the other deals that happened in the past seven days uh, leading up to the trade deadline. The Florida Panthers and the Calgary Flames got together on a deal and this one didn't come as a surprise to me, AJ, because I've seen a lot of the Calgary Flames games and uh, every time I, I tuned in it seemed they were talking about Sam Bennett not being a fit there and really not not seemingly being a very happy guy in the Calgary circumstance. He got moved to the Florida Panthers along with a six-round pick, and the Flames pick up a forward prospect, M.L. Heineman, and a 2022 second-rounder. Give us your slant on this one. Where do you think Bennett fits in to the Florida circumstance? Well, I think this is a great move by uh, by the Panthers to, to go out you know they're in uh, a dogfight here in the top of that that division with with Tampa, and they really did need, uh, in my opinion, some extra help in their you know their top nine. Really, I think I think their top six is okay, um, but they've been playing with a seventh defenseman. Matt Kierstadt's been playing a little bit of forward for them. Uh, Anthony Duclair has been out uh, as well. So I, I think the fact that they go out, they get Sam Bennett, who could for sure be a third line guy for them could potentially even push for, for a top six assignment. Yeah. They gave up a decent amount uh, in that second round pick and Heineman was a a 2020 top, uh, I believe second round pick as well. So uh, 43rd overall. And so I think you, you know, you have um, a, a, a decent price tag, don't sleep on the fact either that they locked up Nikita Gusev for uh, another year here recently with, with a contract for him. So um, I think that's a, a good deal. Um, signing him to a contract, he'll make his Panthers debut uh, on Thursday, it looks like. So, um, you know, good bit of business outside of the, the trade deadline as well by them. And that's really going to bolster, like I said, that top nine 
as they try and make a push here. And uh, the next trade really filled a need for me that we identified all year long in Colorado. We know they have a nice one-two punch at center with Kadri behind uh, Nate McKinnon, but they added Carl Soderberg to fill that third slot, maybe telling Tyson Yost, you know, you had your chance, pal, but uh, I wonder where he fits in going forward. But Soderberg, a veteran guy who's been a third-line center uh, most of his career and uh, done well in that role uh, wherever he's been, is a real strong addition by Colorado and solves an issue that they've been kind of playing with all season long. It cost them a couple of forward prospects in Ryder Rolston and Josh Dickinson. Uh, AJ, you have anything more to add on that particular deal? Well, I'll just say, you know, it seems like uh, seller's remorse on this one. They they traded Soderberg away uh, uh, two years ago, and, and now they bring him back. And really, they haven't had a good third-line center since they, they moved him. So, uh, you know, think about this fact. I, I, I don't know what they do to Yo, for, with Yost. Maybe fourth line. Maybe they try him on the wing. But potentially a third line of Brandon Saad, Carl Soderberg, and Jonas Donskoy. That's going to create matchup havoc um, for a lot of other teams. You know, when you consider you have, absolutely have to go up against, you know, Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen, uh, you know, Burkowski and Kadri on the second line. So uh, I, I think it's a huge addition to a team uh, that, that needed some help down the middle. And really, that's probably their biggest weakness in, in the grand scheme of things. Or was, rather. <laughs> and, AJ, we have the first of our deals that involved three clubs and, and some of that salary cap manipulation. Uh, we'll go through, it resulted in two trades uh, to make all this happen. And so let me describe that and get your reaction. It was involving Vegas, Chicago, and San Jose. San Jose was busy in terms of picking up some money and uh, sending some money in cap space to other teams in, ter- in exchange for draft and player compensation. The Vegas Knights, they picked up Matthias Janmark and a fifth-round pick in 2022. Chicago Blackhawks receiving 2021 second-round pick and a third-round pick in 2022. Then, in a related deal, the Sharks get a fifth-round draft pick. Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, involved in this uh, transaction. They were the ones that sent the pick. There's retained salary by San Jose, uh, allowing the Golden Knights to acquire Janmark is essentially the deal. Where do you see Janmark fitting into the Knights' circumstance, AJ? Well, I think it has to be, you know, given the price tag they just gave up, they're obviously thinking top top six with them. Um, you know, I think he has a real chance to replace Chandler Stevenson as their top-line center. Um, I, I think he would fit in there. Uh, so then, you know, you can move Stevenson to third line. I don't think you're bumping Willie Carlson down, so... Uh, that that's where I see him landing is like I said uh, potentially the first line center between Pacioretty and Stone you know the the thing that surprised me most about this deal was the fact that the Sharks yeah sure they get something from it they did have to give up Nick DeSimone as part of the deal but I'm surprised that the Sharks were willing to you know take on salary for a division rival it it, it was a, a bit of a surprise that they were willing to work out that for essentially losing Nick DeSimone for a fifth-round pick like to take on some salary. I, I guess I was surprised the return wasn't a little bit higher, um, considering they had to also give up a player. If you had told me that they got the fifth-round pick just for taking on Janmark's salary, um, I think that would have made a little bit more sense to me. So I was surprised to see... Uh, DeSimone moved in that trade as well. And, you know, uh, let's take a look at this from another perspective. I'll get your re- reaction to this, but 
the Colorado transaction and the Vegas transaction, they happened pretty close together. And it was, I think, a matter of one team watching what the other one was doing. They both solidified their center ice position. And I think one of them didn't want to let the other team have that advantage. We certainly didn't see that in the North Division, where the Leafs seemed to be the busiest of the of the three contending teams, I'll say, at the top of the division, where the other teams just tinkered around the edges. And I think that's where Toronto separated themselves. But I, I think that Colorado and Vegas really have kept a close kept a close eye on one another during this last week and uh, I think it was as much an exercise in making sure that one team didn't wind up with a bigger bigger advantage than the other after the flurry of activity your thoughts on that I absolutely agree with that I mean you see uh, you saw that you know the lightning added uh, pieces then Florida adds you know a, a pretty big piece in Sam Bennett um, the east was nuts you know all day you're seeing you know, the, the first Islanders added, then the Penguins added, then you get the Boston move in there. And at the last minute, you know, Washington goes out and makes the biggest move of all. So clearly just a huge arms race going on. And I think that's what happened here is that the Golden Knights and, and the Avalanche were kind of trying to go tit for tat and, and seeing, um, you know, those moves. So nobody fell too far behind. And you mentioned Tampa Lightning being uh involved in the trade activity freddie clayson joins them san jose sharks picking up a goalie prospect in magnus Crona. he wasn't going to push the top two in in uh, tampa circumstance and that's why he was expendable freddie clayson fits in as a bottom six guy for you uh no i don't think so honestly i think he comes in and and he'll be kind of an emergency depth option for them if if something comes up um, you know, because they also added, uh, you know, a, a, a pretty big piece in, in David Savard, which again, we'll get into that in a little bit, but, um, so I, I don't see him fitting in the top six at the onset. No, I kind of agree with that assessment. It's kind of like a Ben Hutton in Toronto circumstance for me too. Yep. The Oilers picked up, uh, a, a- physical guy and Dmitry Kulikov that was their only move of significance but I think it was definitely a necessary one apart from Darnell Nurse this is a very soft blue line when I looked at it all season long Kulikov may change that outlook and I think he does find his way maybe even into a top four role here once he gets acclimatized Uh, the Jersey Devils picking up a conditional fourth do you see it any differently than I call it Nope, that's pretty much what I see as well, Paul. <laughs> All right, then you tell me what you think of the trade with Adam Gaudet and Matthew Highmore. I have some thoughts on this one, but I'll, I'll go to you first. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, listeners of our show will know that I've for a very long time been high on Adam Gaudet, and, and I think um, a move away is, is going to be good for him, a move away from Vancouver. Uh, I think the Blackhawks will benefit from having additional center options, uh, whether it works out, I think, remains to be seen. You know, Philip Kurashev has, has been playing some big minutes for them, uh, given the injuries that they had earlier in the year. So um, where he fits in, I, I think, remains kind of questionable for them. There was talk that, you know, he had really pushed and, and tried to convince Vancouver to give him more center opportunities. But it's just not there when you consider they've got Bo Horvat, JT Miller can play center. Brandon Sutter obviously has been a, a centerpiece for them for a long time. And so um, I just think it's it's a good move for him. Overall, I think the Blackhawks get the better player. You know, maybe Matthew Highmore has a little bit more long-term upside. 
Um, but in terms of NHL ready now, I think Goddard's the better piece here. And, you know, we've talked all season long about the Chicago team infusing a lot of youngsters. It seemed to me that Highmore was passed over by some of those guys that are in his, his class, I'll say. And so maybe that pushed him down on the rankings that the Hawks had in-house. And Gaudette, I agree with you, he needed a change of scenery. It was a very tough circumstance for him in Vancouver, as with the rest of the team, with all the COVID issues during, that they had during the season, disrupting things. But uh, I think much more was expected of him in Vancouver when he did, didn't deliver they kind of soured on him so it's a case of both players looking for uh, greener pastures and better results and uh, one of them is going to turn out better than the other I think and I, I put my money on Adam Gaudet in Chicago as well your Pittsburgh Penguins AJ they made a big splash acquiring Jeff Carter I think it's a great move by them why don't you take us through this deal yeah clearly the best trade of the, of the whole uh, whole day <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, obviously not. But, um, you know, I think what's, uh, you know, the thing that they talked about, uh, Hextall and, and Brian Burke were very clear on a couple of things that they were looking for. Somebody uh, a little bit bigger, a little bit more size and, and physicality that they wanted to get. They weren't willing to uh, trade away their top uh, prospects within the system, and they weren't willing to trade away any of their top picks and and they accomplished all that by bringing in jeff carter um you know for all intents and purposes it sounds like really the only reason he was willing to do this with hexta um you know he had in the past reportedly any potential moves away from los angeles and look the conditions on this pick are such that yes one of them could move up to to a second round pick but i think if i'm not mistaken that one is uh conditional on uh you know like the penguins winning the cup or at least making it let me let me pull it up here so yeah the 2022 third round pick can upgrade to a second round pick if the penguins reach the 2021 stanley cup final and he plays in at least 50 percent of the games that's a price tag i'm willing to pay paul if the penguins make the stanley cup final (laughs) they can have a second round pick you know the other thing is it's not a it's not a pure rental um potentially uh, they are retaining half the salary. So you're getting Jeff Carter at about 2.6 against the cap technically signed for next season, though there've been rumors that maybe he'll just call it after this year, but then the penguins get the extra cap space. So I don't think they're worried about that either way. I think it's a win-win for them on whatever Jeff Carter decides to do after this season. I've got to ask you, where do you see him fitting in in the short run with Malkin out of the lineup? I might consider playing him at center, but uh, when Malkin returns, definitely I see him in a wing position. Do you follow suit, or do you have any insight or information about where they deploy Jeff Carter in the near term and possibly in the long term once Malkin comes back? Yeah, so I think for for the short term, I, I would just be real hesitant about moving Jared McCann uh, from where he's been. He's red hot right now. So I put Jeff Carter in the third-line center role uh, at, at this exact moment because – I think, um, you know, they, they picked up another injury to Freddie Gaudreau the other night. No word on how long-term that is going to be. So I think you put Carter as your third-line center. When Melkin comes back, now you have options because you could leave, um, you know, you could leave uh, McCann at third-line center and move Carter to the wing 
and put those two together, which I think they'll probably do. Uh, if they want to keep McCann with Malkin, they could move McCann to the wing. Then your third line is centered by Carter with Jason Zucker on the left side. And then, of course, all this depends on uh, Kasperi Kapanen coming back to the lineup here. They said 10 to 14 days as well for him. So there's going to be some shuffling. But the fact of the matter is Carter is a, a traditional center, but has played a lot of wing almost exclusively wing the last couple of the year, years for the Kings. And so his flexibility is huge there as well. Then we come to what I think is uh, the most interesting trade of the day with one of the bigger names involved, the Boston Bruins and Buffalo Sabres, division rivals forever, got together on a deal. Uh, Taylor Hall going to Boston along with Curtis Lazar, and the Buffalo Sabres get a second-round pick, and uh, forward prospect Anders Bjork, who was bounced up and down. He got a look at second-line center at Boston for about a week or two, but uh, didn't really fit in there and was more of a bottom-six type I don't think the Sabres did well enough at all in this deal. I think it could be a great circumstance, not only for Hall, but also Lazar as well. Lazar plays the game physically. I know I've got got a lot of looks at him on the Canadian World Championship stage, and uh, things haven't worked out for him as a pro, but the, he's the smaller piece here. The, the real story is where does Taylor Hall's career trajectory go with this stint in Boston I think he he slides into a second role second line role beside David Krejci a great landing spot we we've talked often about Krejci being one of the better puck distributors well now he's got a finisher on his wing that uh, is unquestionable Uh, we know Hall has had a struggle offensively to find the net funny enough tonight Tuesday night schedule the Sabres and the Bruins play and I'm betting you that Taylor Hall scores tonight Absolutely. Absolutely. He's going to score tonight, despite the fact that he hasn't scored in, you know, his numbers this year are terrible. So honestly, for the Sabres to get a, a second round pick, I mean, really, they need we need to think about this in two ways. They traded Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork and they traded Taylor Hall for a second round pick. Yeah. Um, Yes, you would have liked to see them get a first round pick for Taylor Hall, but his numbers this year have been terrible. He determines where he's going to go because he has a full no-move clause, so you didn't really have any options. So, yeah, did they get what they should have for for Taylor Hall based on previous seasons? Absolutely not, but you're selling low in a non-existent market. Um, so you to get a second round pick, I think is fine. You know, we I, we warned Sabres fans last week that you were not going to get some huge uh, return for Taylor Hall because of the fact that they got a second round. I think is perfectly fine. I've seen a lot of people panning what the Sabres got, especially after the Mantha trade came out, and they're like, oh, all this stuff that they got that Detroit got for Anthony Mantha. Well, they had options. With Anthony Mantha, Taylor Hall controlled this entire situation, and he also controls his fate now. If things don't work out in Boston, if he continues to slump, he's going to have a real hard time getting any sort of significant money on the market uh, this offseason because uh, he needs to revamp his his image right now in terms of production. And $8 million is going to be a pipe dream if he thinks he's getting anywhere near that unless this run with Boston uh, puts up some significant numbers. I'm, I'm going to be 
among those that expects big things from Hall. I, I think he's motivated for sure. I think the circumstance in Boston is is primed for him to get the most out of his his uh, game, and and the ben- the benefit goes to the bees on a very good pickup. I think uh, ideally suited to that role with, uh, alongside Krejci gives them a real good look on their second line. The Ottawa Senators continued to acquire resources. They traded away Braden Coburn to the New York Islanders, who take this bruising physical veteran defenseman and plug him into their mix. I'm telling you, I wouldn't like to play the Islanders in the playoffs. This team is is loaded for bear up and down their roster, and adding a veteran of Coburn's quality is is just adding to the mix here. The Senators picking up a seventh-round pick for his services. Yeah, I mean, the Islanders are ridiculous right now, and yeah, they're there are no prizes for winning uh, the East Division this year, that's for sure, because first place is still going to pair you up against one of the toughest teams in the league. Um, and, and Coburn uh, adds to that mix of just rough and tumble Islanders teams that are they're going to be hard to beat the rest of the year. AJ, when I entered the trade deadline, looking at the Leafs' perspective, I thought, okay, they need an upgrade in goal, they need an upgrade in defense, and they need a little more physicality at forward. They checked all the boxes. We'll get to the big deal in a few minutes, but I liked the pickup of David Riddich. Big save, Dave. Now I can say that more often uh, when covering the Leafs' <laughs> circumstance. Uh, it's a nickname that one of the better nicknames that I've, I've liked for a long time around the league, and uh, he's played three games against the Leafs this year and looked great in all of them. So I don't know what it is, whether it's the lights in the arena or or just seeing that blue and white sweater. Well, now he's going to be wearing it. And if he can play like he did in those three games, I'm going to be more than happy with a one-two punch uh, with Freddie Anderson's health still uncertain. This was the motivation for this deal. But it takes a bit of the load off Jack Campbell and pushes Mike Hutchinson down the depth chart, which is not a bad thing, I'll say. I mean, he's performed well this year, but I don't have the faith in him that I do in the other goalies. And I wonder if we'll see Riddich play against his former teammates tonight as the Flames roll into town in Toronto. But uh, the Leafs give up a third-round pick, and in terms of the short short run, he's going to be a factor this season. But I wonder if the Leafs decide to make him part of a goalie tandem with Campbell next year and uh, say see you later to Freddie Anderson. It could work out that way. I, you know, I saw this trade, Paul, and I, I literally thought we're going to have to rename the podcast the, like, Big Save Dave podcast because we're going to hear that all the time now, um, which you're right. That's a great nickname, and, and I'm not, not mad about it. But um, I absolutely think we will see David Riddish playing tonight. They, they talked about the fact they said he should be avail- arrive and be available is is what the the team said and and to me that just sounds like yeah he's starting the second game of a back-to-back you know you want to ease guys in right when you sign them and want them to get used to your systems and stuff like that but like there aren't really like you're a goalie the system has stopped the puck and you're also (laughs) going to get to play a team that you've seen every day in practice for the last you know several months and so I think it's a perfect opportunity. If you have to throw a guy in that quickly, um, it's the the ideal scenario to do it. 
Well, I'm looking forward to tonight's tilt, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But uh, big save, Dave, in a blue and white uniform. I'm very happy. The Boston Bruins should be happy, too, that they not only pick up Taylor Hall, but they added Mike Riley from the Ottawa Senators. Again, a guy that I've seen all season long in Ottawa, and, and he plays the game. He's an honest player. He plays top four minutes for Ottawa, and he'll push for the same in Boston. Uh, plays a physical brand of hockey, big big uh, strong guy and uh, fits the Bruin mold and they've been having a lot of trouble icing six healthy bodies on the Bruin defense for a while this guy will help that in a big way and it cost them a third round pick you know I have to wonder if and when we're you know maybe there's something bigger for either the Carlo the McAvoy or the Grizelchik injury um, that they went out and got him but even if there's not you're right I mean look at this Bruins, Lotson and Akan, Zorbo and Camfer, like Tenorti and Clifton. That's uh, a pretty thin uh, blue line here in terms of name recognition and, and guys that put up, uh, you know, big results. Uh, you know, honestly, the I'm a little surprised Ottawa didn't try and fleece them for a little bit more, considering how uh, bad their blue line situation uh, is right now in, in terms of those injury woes. Well, and we finally get to the big deal of the day, AJ. It was the one that involved <laughs> the Maple Leafs, the Sharks, and the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets part company with their uh, longtime captain, Nick Foligno, who comes to Toronto. There's no question he's going to wear number 71, just like his dad did. Uh, the last time I was this excited about the Leaf hockey in 1990s. And uh, I think he slots in as a second-line winger and gives this team a lot more sandpaper. Right away, you look at some of his peripheral numbers, he's... 40 or 45 hits more than any other leaf forward and uh, he, he plays penalty kill he, he's such a character guy but the other thing that's notable here when you talk about him and Taylor Hall AJ they were probably two of the bigger names on this trade market I think you'll agree and yet the goal is scored by these guys you'll be surprised to know that from the time that Taylor Hall was awarded his MVP to the present Nick Felino's actually outscored him in terms of total goals so the Leafs are getting a guy who not only plays a physical game, a uh, high-character guy, but he's not incapable of putting the puck in the net and playing key minutes. And he was a thorn in the Leafs' side in the last year's playoff series. I noticed him almost every shift that he was on the ice, and I expect the same to be the case here. And I think he gives the Leafs now a fourth former NHL captain on their roster too. So they got leadership coming out the wazoo on this roster. And uh, Polino will slot in, I think, beside the current Leaf captain on the second scoring line. I think, you know, the in terms of winners and losers after a trade, anytime that, you know, talking heads like us discuss it, the focus is always on, you know, teams that added and teams that made good deals and bad deals. But I think the Columbus situation is going to be under-recognized for a team that was selling in terms of uh, what they got back here. You know, even if you go, uh, you know, it's it's a conditional, but they, they traded Riley Nash, got a condition, conditional seventh-round pick out of that on, on the ninth, and then they pick up two first-rounders this upcoming year, and then a third and a fourth in 2022 um, for guys that were on expiring contracts and potentially not going to be back. So now you're looking at a team that has three first-round picks this upcoming year, and boy, wouldn't it be something if uh, after this season, Nick Felino decided to re-sign with the, <laughs> the Blue Jackets 
and return there anyway and help guide those three new fresh uh, first-round guys into the, the future of the organization. Yeah, there's already been little whispers in that regard, but hey, if Felino uh, is involved in a parade in Toronto, I will uh, certainly thank him for his services and, <laughs> and uh, ask him to enjoy his time back in Columbus if he chooses to go that route. The Montreal Canadiens picked up a second defensive-minded defenseman. Uh, well, I guess the other guy was an f- offensive guy. Here's the defensive-minded guy in John Merrill from the Detroit Red Wings. The Wings picking up Hayden, prospect Hayden Verbeek and a 2021 fifth-rounder. This is the Canadians fortifying the back end. They were behind the Leafs, the second-best club in terms of smart activity at the trade deadline in this division. Picking up Merrill was a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fine move. I don't think it hurts him. Um, you know, Verbeek's numbers aren't such that, that you're going to be too sad about losing him. But I I don't love this deal. Um, I don't think it was the best move that, that Montreal made of the day. Um, but certainly, it's never bad to have an extra defenseman uh, sitting around for you. And then uh, another fringe kind of move, the New Jersey Devils picking up Jonas Siegenthaler, the Capitals uh, getting a conditional third round pick i think this is more of a housekeeping move than anything else uh, by the caps and the devils are certainly get a, getting a, somebody who will challenge for a position among their top six blue liners yeah siegenthaler a, a decent piece for them to you know just play a little bit for for them this year it's certainly possible that this uh is a factor of the the upcoming expansion draft that maybe uh siegenthaler i haven't dove into it but i think he maybe checked some boxes in terms of having available players to expose in the expansion draft so i think really that's that's where it comes in for this then we have another one of these three team deals tampa columbus and detroit involved the big name going to tampa is david savard and uh, a pick that really helps them solidify their top four blue liners. There have been some movement there on the roster, some injury issues, but uh, I, I love the addition of Savard. He can be like a power play quarterback on a second unit, but certainly very strong on the defensive end as well. So they get a very solid piece there. And the way it went down was as follows. Tampa first acquiring Brian Lashoff from Columbus for a 2022 third round pick and a first round pick. Tampa Lightning getting Savard. Detroit getting a fourth round pick in 2021 and then finally uh, Brad Lashoff winding up in Columbus uh, as a result of this deal AJ so uh, uh, break it down for me and do you think that Savard does fit in on maybe a second pairing there and uh, it profiles as I suggest yeah absolutely I think Savard is you know this year's Zach Bogosian for for this group um, that they they bring in uh, a kind of physical guy that that can help it, and and you know I think yeah probably second pairing with with McDonough maybe they might even put him with Victor Hedman if I'm being totally honest I could I could see him being kind of the the stabilizing force to allow Hedman to to move and get up into the play a little bit more so I think top four. Uh, absolutely is an option for him and I think it would allow them to to move Mikhail Sergachev to play with Ryan McDonough so then you have two of these like one two offense defense uh, components Uh, so I I think it's a big addition for them and right out of the playbook that they used last year to to win the cup and AJ we saw the avalanche get 
Yet another key piece, I think, in terms of in- injury insurance, solidifying their goaltending, they picked up Devin Dubnik, who's bounced around a little bit the last couple of years, but before that had a very nice run as one of the top goalies, top 10 goalies in hockey over the last five or six years, I would say. That's how I profiled him. When healthy, he's going to be a very nice addition to Colorado's mix. Uh, n- no worse than the third option, but could even be a second option, depending on the injury circumstances there as they uh, continue to morph over the next few weeks with some uncertainty in the number two role right now. So San Jose Sharp picking up a fifth round pick and defenseman Craig Patteron, a veteran blue liner who will slide in to uh, the top six easily in San Jose, fortifying them uh, with a veteran presence on the blue line behind Carlson and Burns in that unit. So uh, break it down for me and uh, talk to me about the Colorado goaltending circumstance. What's the latest on the injury front there with uh, their second stringer? And uh, how does Dubnik fit in in the near term and long term for you? Well, first of all, I think Devin Dubnik's probably just happy to get the hell out of San Jose because it has (laughs) not worked out for him there and you know let's be clear it's not like he signed with san jose in the hopes of something happening there he was traded to san jose for a fifth round pick uh san jose for their part gets their get essentially gets a fifth round pick back um from from what they had to give up and and then gets greg petteran so overall for them a decent piece of business in in terms of uh return and i think uh, on the Colorado side, I think it pretty much guarantees we're not going to see Pebble Francis at all this season. There hasn't been a lot of detail about what exactly that that injury was, um, which I know is is your favorite uh, situation <laughs> to talk about. Um, but I, I think it pretty much guarantees. Um, in fact, that you know the, our latest news from just a couple of days ago is that he's not expected to return this season. So um, I'm guessing maybe. We have it as a lower body injury. My guess is Achilles or knee, something that takes uh, a long-term recovery timeline here because he hasn't played at all this year and, and now won't. So they needed a number two netminder to ease up Philip Grubauer, but I do think he's nothing more than that. Um, I think he's going to be the number two behind Grubauer. He'll probably get more opportunities than Jonas Johansson would have. Um, because of his veteran experience, but this makes no impact, in my opinion, on who the preferred option is in goal for Colorado. And then we saw a couple more deals, AJ. First, Florida Panthers picking up Brandon Montour. Buffalo Sabres getting a third-round pick in 2021. And Colorado adding Patrick Nemeth from from detroit for a 2022 fourth round picks these two mirror a lot of the trades that we saw earlier uh, later in the week rather fortifying the defense was what both florida and colorado did i think these guys both fit in as uh, third pairing guys and insurance against as something happening in the top four agree or disagree or any other thoughts no, absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe uh, Brandon Montour, probably the most impactful of, of the guys to sign yeah. and he could yeah. play a, a bigger role. But you're right. It is all injury dictated. So Eric Johnson for sure won't be back for the re- regular season. Bowen Byram's been banged up for a couple of games. So Patrick Niemeth, uh could come into their third pairing there. Uh, in in Florida, they're without Ekblad. Well, Brandon Montour certainly won't be a replacement to, to Aaron Ekblad, but he'll slot in over a guy like Kevin Connaughton, 
um, or even, you know, Anton Stroman. So, uh, you know, injury concerns there. And then obviously Toronto just wanting to add some extra depth if, if needed, although it's not, it's maybe not the, the thing I thought Toronto would need. Um, I, I think they're a pretty big, pretty deep team as it is, but obviously they lost a couple of guys earlier uh, in the month or, or last month on waivers. And so this kind of bolsters what they lost there. Then AJ, let's talk about the Leafs situation a little bit more. I haven't had enough, but uh, Riley <laughs> Riley Nash, you mentioned they picked him up. Columbus getting a seven, seventh round pick in 2022. When the Leafs made this deal, I immediately came to a conclusion that unfolded almost exactly as I would have mapped it out to solidify all their needs and led me to talk off the top of the show about the salary cap manipulation and the LTIR and all that stuff. I didn't see a word of it covered in the local media here. I wonder if you did at your end, but this was a clear indication to me of where the Leafs were going because they didn't give Freddie Anderson an LTIR tag, and he's been out for three weeks. They make this trade for Riley Nash, and you can only do this LTIR thing once during the season. So the Leafs waited until they could get right up against the edge of the cap with these, this transaction and, and the others, and that's when they triggered the, the move for Freddie Anderson to go on LTIR, and it freed up $7 million extra that the Leafs could take on in salary. And as soon as this trade happened, I'm telling you, I was calling my buddies and saying, you watch, the Leafs are going to fill in a need in net. At forward, they're going to get a key player, and on defense, they're going to get insurance. And it was exactly as I mapped it out. I didn't see it anywhere else. So it's too bad you're not on TV watching this, but I'm giving myself a pat on the back for that assessment. <laughs> and uh, and uh, very, very shrewd moves by the Maple Leafs. And Riley Nash, in fact, AJ, could be ready to play in the playoffs. And I've seen him play for Boston in prior years and Columbus last year. This guy's a very effective player and more insurance, more depth for a team that has all kinds of it right now. I'm excited about all, all the moves, not the least this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it seems like a very minor move um, on, on, on paper, especially, you know, I think the conditions are such that, um, you know, I don't, I don't think they even necessarily have to give up the pick. Uh, yeah, so it's a seventh rounder unless he plays in 25% of right. the Leafs' playoff games. Right. Um, then it moves to a sixth rounder. Oh, darn, a six-round <laughs> pick, you know? Like the Leafs need a six-round pick, right? So, um, yeah, it's a no-risk scenario. And to your point, yeah, they just they maxed out or they're going to max out their cap, uh, their LTIR here with this and uh, a, a very smart kind of low-end risk move. Chicago Blackhawks uh, were one of the teams that started this flurry of activity a week ago. It was a multiplayer trade, more, more, more name recognition players than we saw in any deal between them and the Panthers. They received Brett Connolly, Riley Stillman, and Henrik Borgstrom, plus a 2021 seventh-round pick. Florida Panthers getting Lucas Carlson and Lucas Walmart. I, wanted, I guess they wanted to corner the market on Lucas's in Florida, but other, <laughs> other than that, where do, you, where do you see those guys maybe fitting in uh, to the depth chart on the Panthers' side of things? AJ, let's started off there yeah i mean it's it's this move was a, a little bit weird uh if i'm being totally honest you know i think it's i don't know that that you know carlson or you know carlson obviously gives them more defensive depth but then they went out and got brandon montour so i don't know how much impact he's gonna have there and and walmart um again they went out and they got sam bennett so i i think these moves have kind of been overshadowed um, in terms of their impactfulness by, by what they're, they're getting there. I think really 
Um, I, I, I didn't love this, this deal. I didn't hate it. Um, but you know, it, I don't think there was a ton of long-term impact. Riley Stillman is 23. So that's certainly beneficial that he's a younger guy. Um, you know, for them, Connolly's locked up at pretty cost controlled for another two years after this one. So there's some decent things here, but, but overall, it, this wasn't an impactful trade, in my opinion, on, on either side. Yeah, it might have been some minor cap uh, minute, manipulations to help Florida out, I suppose. And uh, that might have been part of the outlook. But uh, I agree with you. These are just fortifying depth kind of moves that uh, were made uh, a week ago to kind of set them up for a longer playoff run, I suppose. That's the way we, we should look at it. The first trade that kicked off this week of activity, Kyle Palmieri, who was one of the guys that were, was among the uh, highlighted players in at the trade deadline's uh, outset, I was wondering where he'd wind up, and uh, it turns out New York Islanders is the fit. They they snagged him and Travis Zajac from the Devils all in one fell swoop. It cost them A.J. Greer, Mason Jobst, and uh, a 2021 first-rounder and 2022 fourth-rounder. Talk to me about where Falmeri and Zajac fit into the lineup. I suspect both of them could be uh, pressing for top six roles easily in the Islanders' circumstance. Yeah, absolutely. I you know what? I think what I love most about this move, um, because we're, you know, we talked about Palmieri and Zajac being options uh, to move last week. I, we highlighted both those guys. And I think I love the fact that the Islanders just came and said, no, nah, we'll take both. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll grab both guys. And, you know, I think it gives you kind of some instant chemistry having two guys come to a team in, instead of one. Um, and, you know, I, I, look, I think part of this obviously is the fact that they're without Anders Lee for the, for the rest of the year, so they needed to do something there. Um, I actually think Paul Mary maybe falls uh, into a third line spot for them outside of the top six, but that's as I've talked about all year. That's not a bad line with with John Gabriel Pajot as the center. So on, on a lot of teams, Paul Mary Pajot and name a guy on the right wing. Um, could potentially be a second line anyway. So I, I think you've got, you know, a one uh, and then a two A and two B really with, with this trade. AJ, uh, let's summarize this from the point of view of winners and losers. I'm going to start first and say Colorado looks like the winner out West for the work that they did on not only at center, but fortifying their goaltending situation, which was a big question mark. The Leafs, of course, uh, goes without saying they were a big winner at this trade deadline for me as well, as well. And I would throw uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg under the bus as teams that really failed to to take advantage of filling their needs at the trade deadline. So that's the way I saw it. I give the Islanders also a gold star for filling in the depth of their roster. So I see three winners and two big losers in the North Division. What about your slant on the rest of the league? Well, I think, you know, I, I agree. I think Colorado, uh, a big winner here. Um, I think Vegas... I, you know, the more and more I think about the Janmark move, I'm not sold that it's going to work out for them for the price that they gave up. So um, I'm going to tentatively put them on the fence with high potential to fall in, into the loser side if, if Janmark doesn't really develop into, um, you know, what they want. So um, Vegas is, is right there on, on, on the nice edge. Uh, I put the Florida Panthers as a winner. I, I thought they made some, some good moves. I like the Sam Bennett acquisition a, a lot for them. 
And look, I, you know, I'm not going to say anybody's a loser, uh, but I don't think there are any clear-cut winners coming out of the East because, as I said earlier, it was basically just an arms race, and the four teams at the top of that division all just made themselves better. And unfortunately, they probably all hurt each other's chances of winning uh, the Stanley Cup because they're going to beat the crud out of each other <laughs> in the first two rounds here. Um, you know, like I said, winning the East could potentially, you know, get you a matchup with with Boston or, or with the Islanders. Like that's that's not a that's not a reward for winning a division. <laughs> like um, I'm pulling it up real quick. So if Washington wins the division, which they're in the lead right now. They get Boston in the first round, and then the Islanders and Penguins square off. So uh, there, there are no winners in the East. They're, they're certainly not losers. I love all the additions that, that these teams made. If I had to pick a riskiest one, I think it's Boston. Um, Taylor Hall could work out great or flame out spectacularly uh, in terms of that. So that's the riskiest one for me. I think the Islanders made the clearest um, you know, safe, safe choices in, in their additions. Um, getting those two guys from New Jersey. So, uh, but no winners for me out of the East because they they just you know arms escalation galore in that division. <laughs> All right, so that winds up our trade deadline review. We'll go back to our sweep through the thirty-one teams next week, but we felt it was important to take a real thorough look at the impact of all the the deals that came down in the last seven days. We hope you enjoyed that analysis. Uh, Please send your comments or questions in that regard. But we'll switch gears now to our uh, regularly scheduled DFS segment between our look at DraftKings and FanDuel. And AJ, what do you forecast in your DraftKings lineup for tonight's schedule of games? Yeah, so um, I am going to, you know, I know I've been uh, sounding very cautious or, or maybe uh, negative on the Taylor Hall edition, but uh, I'm going to hope that it works out and it, that it works out tonight. So I'm actually going to stack Boston's second line in its entirety. So I get uh, I get Taylor Hall at 4,800. I get Jake DeBrusque at 3,300 and David Krejci at 4,400. So I'm going straight across the board on a relatively cost-efficient uh, group there. Taylor Hall uh, won't break the bank for you right now because he's got just two goals in 37 games on the year. But I think there's a good opportunity for him to get one tonight. And like like you pointed out, Paul, they're actually playing Buffalo tonight. So I think uh, there's a good opportunity there. I saved enough money that I am going to go – Take a look at your Maple Leafs for the rest of my offense here, and I'm going to stack the top line for them. I've got Austin Matthews at 9,300, Alex Galchenyuk for 3,600 as their other guy, and then Mitch Marner at 83. So run across the top line there. Uh, A good matchup with Calgary, who, you know, they – uh, big save Dave will obviously be motivated to try and win that one. I was tempted to use him tonight, uh, and I may still change that. But for now, I'm going to use what I will just call the Boston netminder. Uh, I think it'll be Jeremy Swayman uh, who gets the look tonight uh, at 8,400, but it could be Daniel Vladder who actually comes in a little bit cheaper at 8,200. Um, so tentatively, I'm going to go there. Um, but but we'll see. That has high potential to change. Maybe I go with Dave Riddish tonight if he gets a start. Uh, in in defense, uh, I'll go. Uh, these are my guys, my outliers from those two games. 
I'll go with Keandre Miller, 2,800. I think he has plenty of offensive upside. New Jersey basically sold the farm the last couple of days, and so they've gotten a little bit easier to play against, and I think the Rangers' offense is pretty high power of late, and so he has good potential to pick up some points. And then I mentioned earlier uh, David Savard. If he's available, I think we'll shuffle up their decor and hopefully make some more opportunities for Mikhail Sergachev to get in on the offense. I'm going to use him at 5,000 on the D. So uh, that is what my lineup looks like. Heavy dose of Boston and Toronto. Uh, Paul, uh, any any similarities with what you've got rolling on FanDuel? Lots of them, my friend. We didn't compare <laughs> notes about this before we did our lineups, and I don't think we've had s- similar lineups all year long. But tonight we do, and I'm not changing it. I want to win big money, and I think we're both going to do that. Uh, I didn't load up completely with the same combination of players as you did in either case but i do have the core guys let me explain david Krejci, and please note the price points this is kind of interesting too when i when i go shopping here and hear your prices and and see some differences across the board it's kind of enlightening in in some ways and uh disturbing in others because there's no there might not be consistency along both platforms david Krejci for me is one of the centers obviously and austin matthews the other one that's where we are spot on with one another but the price points Krejci for forty eight hundred dollars and i think he has a chance to light it up obviously against the sabers with with a motivated taylor hall just as you suggest hall's price tag is fifty four hundred dollars so i get the one two punch there on the second line for just over ten grand i think that's fantastic it allows Allows me to put in the leaf uh, tandem of Matthews and Marner. They're going to cost me a total of sixteen thousand five hundred dollars. So big difference there. And I think the Leafs should be motivated after uh, laying an egg last night in Montreal, which bothers me every time that happens because uh, when the Leafs played well, it was in the second period they rolled over the Canadians for the most part. And I need to see more of that tonight uh, from the blue and white. I don't want to see a, a, a losing streak at any point uh, from this part of the season going forward. So I think they'll be motivated to right the ship. And then uh, Taylor Hall, of course, uh, starts my winger components, as I suggested. I wind up the wingers with a third leaf player, and that's Zach Hyman. I'm predicting that not only will he get involved in the scoring during the game, but I think he's in line for an empty netter. He's the king of the empty net goals in Toronto, so a cheap way to get uh, double digits in points there for $5,000, I'm expecting. And TJ Oshie has been on a real hot streak for Washington, playing against a Philadelphia team that has waved the white flag a little bit with their trade. I think the Caps are in line to possibly roll up a big score against a Philadelphia team that's showed no ability to defend in the last month or so. And uh, now that they lack motivation, I think Washington can really roll them tonight. And I can make a case for a Washington stack. Maybe I'll put a second lineup together that features that sort of thing. On the blue line, I pick a couple of guys that... uh, are not front of mind, but are in good situations. Jacob Truba is a guy who, while his offense is down, his hits and block shots are are always there. So the block shots could be a real key component. And if a couple of shots on goal, he gets the double, double digits quite easily tonight against a Jersey team that has stripped their offense and, and could be in for a pounding at the hands of their uh, their uh, division rivals from New York. Mackenzie Weger is a guy who's been tasked with filling in the role for the depart- the injured Aaron Ekblad, and I think he moves up in class here against a Dallas team that has been struggling uh, in- with their defensive structure. I get the- both defenders for $4,300. 
happy with that price tag. And then behind all of them, AJ, I looked at the goaltending options. There are plenty of them tonight, where in previous Tuesdays, I, I think the choices have been thin. I'm going to go with the New York Rangers goaltender, regardless of who it is. But let's say it's Igor Shesterkin for now at $7,800 to round out my squad. I actually have $400 left to spend. So uh, if I tweak this lineup, I will post that change. But I will share this lineup after the show and uh, expect to see you in the winner's circle. <laughs> so uh that winds it up for this week aj uh now that we're past the trade deadline there's only about three or four weeks left in the regular season schedule i know vancouver's in for a tough time in terms of the, the way their games have been condensed in a tight schedule montreal also facing a daunting task there uh any final comments for you in terms of what you might expect in the next couple of weeks well, I think the the interesting uh, thing to watch is what does shake out uh, in the East. You know, um, the the Rangers and and Flyers are uh, they're both four points back of of Boston. Now Boston has two games in hand on on both of those clubs. Um, and honestly, you know, the the Penguins find themselves in a pretty nice situation considering they have the most games of of that top four pack remaining against new jersey and buffalo they've got a number of games still against those two teams so hopefully they can take advantage of that and then can florida kind of stop their recent skid uh, a little bit um, and get back into the mix for you know one or two in in that division uh, and where chicago lands so uh, there's definitely some interesting races to to watch here um but yeah, there, we're we're headed into the stretch, and I'm I'm excited to you know get to playoff hockey. But let's not get there too soon. Let's enjoy the games that we have left here in the the regular season. AJ, I just had a fleeting thought. Our teams are looking both primed for good playoff runs. If they go to the finals against one another, we'll have to do this show live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that wraps up our look at the trade deadline, folks. And uh, while we dream about that prospect, we also thank you for listening into Podcast with Statsman and AJ Rotorwire's signature fantasy hockey podcast. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to Podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey plan and research. So long, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.